So the title of the message is Going Fishing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we pray that you will guide and direct our words, that my words will bring glory to you, will be a blessing to me and to those, those that are here, that we will be challenged in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to get things started, I'd like to ask, what is the most enjoyable thing that you did this week? Thing that you really enjoy doing? Now, it's not a trick question. It's, it's what you enjoy doing. So you're wondering, it's not, and it's not complicated, so you don't have to overthink it. It's, it's something you enjoy doing. You enjoy doing it. Reaching out? Uh, now, uh, now let's, let's say, I won't, I'm not saying what's the most enjoyable spiritual thing you did. So <laughs> forget the spiritual aspect. I'm just saying what's the most enjoyable thing that you did? Okay, well, one of the enjoyable things that you did? Ball hockey. He enjoyed ball hockey. Reading. Reading. Sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> right. He enjoyed sleeping. All right. What else? Walking in your shop. That's right. And spending time with your daughter. Now, it's not a trick question. You will see where I'm going. So don't, don't, and there's no wrong or right answer. It's something you enjoyed. So, no, it's not an exam, so let's keep going. Because we are different, and we have different things that we enjoy. Swimming, yeah. We have different things that we enjoy. Cooking, all right. So all of those things. And the spiritual ones will say, studying my Bible and praying. All of them. Whichever one, it doesn't matter. You enjoy doing it. Now I have a question that the Lord Jesus posed to Peter. Remember two months ago, I spoke on Peter. And uh, we read um, um, John chapter 21. We read Luke chapter 5, and I believe Matthew on Peter. And I only spoke on Luke chapter 5. And today I'm going to speak on John chapter 21. Now this is the verse that I want you to at least keep in mind. If you, if you don't remember any other thing, this is the verse I want you to keep in mind. So you've told me the enjoyable thing that you did. And this is John chapter 21, verse 15. It, it reads this way. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than this? Now what Simon was doing wasn't sinful or anything like that. But Jesus asked him this question in verse 21. And Simon answered, yes, Lord, he said, you know I, that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lamb. So, so the question Jesus asked to Simon, son of John, he said, do you truly love me 
more than this. All right. A familiar passage, so, and I don't have lots of time, so, but we are going to touch as, as much of it as possible. In John chapter 21, the Lord Jesus Christ has died earlier on. He was buried and is resurrected. And the disciples had been with the Lord when he was being arrested. They had seen him when he was being crucified. And they had seen him when he showed up after the resurrection. So, so they had seen him. And I believe when the Lord died, having spent three years with him, they were kind of confused, not knowing where they were going. And so after the Lord came back from the dead, you know, rising up, he showed up to Mary, he showed up to the disciples, and then he showed up when Thomas said he has to see him. And then after this incident is where we arrive at John chapter 21. I think we should read, and then I will make a few comments along. John chapter 21. This is, a, for some people or most people, it's a familiar passage. But it's good to, you know, you know at least gain some insight from here. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Notice verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. He was a fisherman up until the time Jesus, let me say, arrested him or arrested his heart and he became a fisher of men. And now Jesus has died, has come back and is going back to heaven and Peter is uh, just mulling over what are we supposed to do. And so he spoke to these other disciples and he said, I am going fishing. Remember the last time I spoke, he was fishing. And he fished all night and did what? Caught nothing. And the Lord showed up and said, let me use your boat. And he used his boat. And after he had used his boat, he said, Simon, launch out. And then they launched out and then they caught lots of fish. Put it in the boat. And the net was breaking and the boat was doing what? Sinking. And then... Simon prostrated and said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, not, not so quickly. You are going to follow me. Henceforth, you are going to be a fisher of men. So from that time forward, he abandoned everything and followed the Lord. And now the Lord has died, resurrected, and is going back to heaven. And Peter is confused. I'm sure we've been there before. What does the future hold? What do we have to do now? was the need. So, well, to relax, sort of, he said, or maybe relax, or maybe thinking back about the good old days, I'm going fishing. And then the other disciples said, I'm, going with, I'm coming with you. So I think there were about six or seven of them that went fishing. But let's read on. So, s- s- verse 3, Simon said to them, I am going fishing. 
They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. We are back to where he started when he first met the Lord. This night, another night of fishing. You know, putting in the, bo- uh, the net, drawing it out all night, and they caught nothing. Now let's continue the reading. Um, what do we see? But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. They caught nothing all night, and Jesus showed up the next morning. Foggy morning, you know, you can, you can imagine it was a frustrating night. Nothing was caught, and Jesus showed up. And when he showed up that morning, notice with me, then Jesus said to them, they were still in the boat in there. Jesus was on the shore. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? I believe some translations say, have you any fish? Did you catch any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. They fished all night, the time that you are supposed to fish, and they caught nothing. And Jesus showed up in the morning when their frustration was at the peak and said, do you have any fish? They said, no. And he said, well, while you are at it there, just cast the net on the right side. Remember, they didn't even know it was Jesus that was saying this. So they just did what he said. And so let's read on. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So John was able to recognize that that voice that we heard earlier on is the Lord. And I like Peter's response. Let's read together so that you see what he does. So he said, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land but about 200 cubits, dragging the nets with fish. Now let's stop there for a minute. So Peter heard that it's the Lord. And what does he do? He he puts on his outer coat and then he jumps in and began to swim. He said, guys, I'm leaving you behind. I'm going. It's always good when you go to the Lord. So he, he went to the Lord. He was swimming fast to the Lord and he left the others behind with the fish. But the disciples had become wiser. The first time when the Lord said, catch fish, they put it in the boat and the boat began to sink. But this time they are dragging the net. Nobody is going to put the net in the boat. They are dragging it along because they don't want the boat to sink. So they were dragging it along and Peter showed up with the Lord. And what does the Lord do? We read on. (coughs) And... uh, 
But the other disciples came in the little boat. For they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of cold. There was fish laid on it and bread. So notice the Lord was there. He had already prepared fire of coal. He had fish and bread. He was already preparing breakfast for them while they were fishing, thinking of them. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. That's quite a number. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. So Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So he fed them breakfast, prepared bread, fish, and then they sat together, and then they enjoyed. The Lord saw their frustration all night, and he showed up in the morning with breakfast already prepared. So now they are just musing, enjoying the company of the Lord, and having a good time together. Verse 15 is where we were. So when they had eaten breakfast, after they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? He fed them. And then after they've showed up eating and they were relaxed, he spoke to Simon. Now, I want you, let's read this a little bit further, and then I'll come back to that verse. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. All right, let's stop there. I'm sure you're probably familiar with the story. They said he asked him the three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then Simon was upset. He said, Lord, you know I love you. And the Lord said, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. But I want you to pay attention to the three do you love me because they are not identical. The first time he asked him, do you love me, in verse 15b, he says, do you love me more than this? 
In fact, some translations will say, do you truly love me more than this? Then the second time he asked him, do you truly love me? And the third time he asked him, do you love me? It's easy, for example, to say that I love the Lord in the abstract until I have to compare it to something else. I have to, you know, when you make the comparison, that's why I said, what did you enjoy this week? The things you enjoy, the things you love, the things, all of those things. And I noticed, so when the Lord asked him, and the writer wrote it down, he said, do you love me more than this? The this was not specified. It could have been this fish, could have been these people, could have been this occupation, uh, uh, you know, boating, it could have been any, any, anything there filled in. Because the this, in terms of application, is different for all of us. We have different things that we love, that compete for our devotion when dealing with the Lord. And so we have to ask ourselves the question that the Lord asked Peter, do you love me more than this? So he asked him that, and Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the Lord said, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. Ask him the second time. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lamb. And then ask him the third time. And then Peter was grieved and upset. Imagine me asking you the same question three times. You probably, what? You know, you, you, you probably get all mad with me, you know. And Peter was upset because the Lord asked him three times. So the question that I have for all of us, for you and for me, is that do I love the Lord more than this? More than this. The this for me could mean my job. The this for me could be my family. It could be my exercise. Let me list my own stuff. It could be my health. It could be anything, you know, that fills into that category. Do I love the Lord more than this? And so, friends, the believer must have only one priority in terms of love. It has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ must be ranked number one when it comes to love compared to every other thing. In fact, you know, in his teaching, he told his disciples once, he said, if you love me, whoever comes after me will have to love me. He mentioned all kinds of this. Mothers, himself, and all of those. So he has to be ranked number one when it comes to our love. And loving God, loving the Lord, is the ultimate priority of the believer. Anything that enhances our love for the Lord should be the things that we pursue. Look with me in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord was speaking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4 to 9, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. 
And then he goes on, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. How important is this? He says, the Lord our God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your might. The ultimate priority for the believer. And he went on to say, this word which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. It's almost like we have to consciously make effort that this is supposed to be the priority of my life, loving the Lord. And then he went on. This is what I want to emphasize. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, loving the Lord with all our hearts is the ultimate mission that a father is supposed to pass on to his children. Let them know by the way you live, by the way you order your priorities, that this is the most important thing in life. That's why I say you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about it when you lie down, when you stand up, when you're watching movie, when you're going for a walk, when you're playing baseball or whatever. At all times, everywhere, make it clear that nothing else is more important. That's the ultimate priority that we ought to have. And I want to remind you in Revelation chapter 3, when the Lord Jesus was speaking to the churches, and then he commended the church of Ephesus for all their great teachings and principles. And he said, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have neglected or left your first love. And then he goes on to say, you need to return to your first love. First love. Ultimately, love for the Lord. And if you study Revelations and the letter to the churches, you notice that there were certain sins or things that the Lord corrected. But this was the first sin that was corrected in the book of Revelation. This was the first item that he highlighted as against the church. Because when we cease to love the Lord, it doesn't take long. Every other thing like fellowship or service and all of those things will fall. And so we need to find ways, if you like, to love the Lord and to grow in it. So Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than this? And Peter said he did. And he, he asked him to feed his lamp. Now let me add something else here. Friends, it's impossible to love the Lord and to hate the people of God. It's impossible to love the Lord and to have an attitude I can't stand other believers. Because when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter said yes. What did Jesus do? I'm going to show, see it the way you treat my lamb and my sheep. 
Your love will be manifest in the way you deal with my lamb and my sheep. And in fact, John writes in John chapter 1, he says, if any man says he loves God and does not love the believers, how can he say that? Because it's easy to say, I love the Lord. But the proof is in the love that we have for the people of God. Do you love me? And what did Peter say? Yes. And the Lord said what? Feed my lamp. So loving the Lord is a priority. And ultimately when we love the Lord, it will flow in our love for the people of God. So that's important. And there are so many these that compete for our attention. And so we have to make sure that they don't crowd out our love for the Lord. Our love for the Lord needs to be a priority. And uh, I'm going to spend a few minutes to just suggest ways we can maintain our love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Practical ways. One way to do that is to spend time worshiping the Lord. And that's why the time of breaking of bread is important because it reminds us of the love of God which stays our hearts to love the Lord. Sometimes we need to practice the presence of God by singing melodies in our hearts and joyfully thanking him, not necessarily loudly, or sometimes loudly when we go for walks or when we're in our houses, staring our hearts towards the Lord, having those good uh, background Christian musics, whether you like the flavor of hymns, or the flavor of uh, choruses, or the fla- whatever flavor, as long as they're pointing you or stirring your hearts toward the Lord, it is good. It helps you to see what the Lord Jesus has done. I mean, somebody stands here and then begins to say, I stand amazed in the presence of the Lord, and then he sings. Your heart immediately flows as to why you need to love the Lord. So singing and making melodies to the Lord and worshiping him can help us in that direction. Also, we need to maximize the time we spend with godly people. It's important that iron sharpens iron. And so we need need to maximize the opportunities that affords us to think and talk about the things of the Lord. We shouldn't neglect them. And so sometimes I find it hard. I call it internet Christians. Christians that are satisfied with me and my computer, I get everything I need to know about the Lord from the tube. I don't need other believers. But then Jesus spoke to Peter, remember? If you love me, feed my lambs. So we need to maximize the time we spend with godly people. It stirs our hearts and our love towards the Lord. And sometimes we need to cut back from busyness. The world, the world wants to crowd out the Lord. There's so many things that takes us from here to there, there and then 
hardly any time for the Lord. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, in the grand scheme of things, when it is all said and done, will all these other things matter? The answer is no. What will matter is our attitude and our, uh, our love for the Lord. And also, it's important if you made to set an appointment with the Lord. A quiet time where you are devoted to the Lord is good. These are things that help to stir our hearts and our devotion towards the Lord. And now a message I wrote in my notes for older Christians. It comes in form of a story. You've heard of uh, the seminary professor Howard Hendricks. He tells a story of his daughter, Bev, who when she was young was deeply interested in her growth. She wanted to grow. And so she promised the dad that she will grow while he was on a ministry trip for a couple of weeks. So she promised him, said, Dad, when you come back, I will grow. So when he returned and stepped off the plane, she greeted him saying, Daddy, Daddy, come home quickly. You have to see how much I grew during the past few weeks. So he went home to the closet door. You know, they had their measurement, you know. And she measured her height. I mean, the father noted that she could not have grown more than a few millimeters, something like this. But she jumped up and down, up and down, excited, saying, Daddy, I told you, I told you I will grow. And I've grown during the last week. So she was jumping up and down and saying, Lord, Father, Daddy, I've grown. Then they went into the living room for a special time of talking together, and she asked him, one of those questions that he wished kids wouldn't ask. She asked him, Daddy, why do big people stop growing? It's a great question if you're an older believer. Because sometimes we can get into the rut where we are playing or going through the motions and we are not growing in our relationship with the Lord. So why do big people stop growing? I submit to you that it could be the devotion to the Lord. Going back to the first base, if you like, the first principle. Staring the heart towards what the Lord has done. Maybe lack of that that makes it difficult for big people to stop growing. And so I like to encourage all of us, especially those of us that are old in the Lord, the primary duty is to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's find ways to stir our hearts in that direction. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than this? And this is a question I need to ask myself every day as I am confronted with so many of things that seem to attract my devotion. I have to ask myself in rela relation to this thing, do I love the Lord more than this? Peter loved fishing. 
That's why he went. He was the one that brought every other person to fishing. Because it was when he said, I'm going fishing. That's why they all went. And the Lord fed them and took care of them. And after he had given them all that, he asked him, do you love me more than this? May the Lord grant us the grace to grow in our love for the Lord. Well, from what I've said, if you are not a believer, you have not even touched first base. You still need to love the Lord. That will mean having a relationship with him. Realizing that you are a sinner and that Jesus came to die for your sins and surrendering your life to him. I believe that's something worth doing. Because it gives you a basis for eternal life. May the Lord grant us the grace to grow in our love and devotion for him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray you grant us the grace to love you with all of our being and all of our heart. It's a challenge in a world where there are so many other things that want our attention. Is a challenging task to keep our hearts tender and devoted to the Lord. So Lord, grant us the grace daily to give you first place from Monday to Sunday. That that will be our passion, our heart's longing. Thank you for everyone that is here. We pray your blessing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you.